Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. I'm joined by our market analyst based out in Sydney, Australia, Josh Gilbert. Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. I'm very good. Happy here. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Thank you. Uh, we're doing, we're actually recording this a day earlier than normal. So we're putting ourselves under a little bit more pressure considering there's three full days of the markets left but uh, i'm sure we'll be able to do a good enough job so you've got a pretty pretty busy schedule this week for work is that right yeah that's right yeah heading down to melbourne um we um we have the obviously the wallaby sponsorship so we're going down to do a little bit uh with them as they play in the bledisloe cup against the against the all blacks so new zealand uh, and then i head to gold coast um sunny gold coast i hope it is uh, on the weekend, uh, there's a big crypto convention going on here, um, so we'll be heading there. So any of our Australian users that are listening, that are heading up that way, come and say hello and yeah, come and uh, come and get some Etoro geek merchandise. Fantastic. We'll give you some, give you some nice t-shirts. Oh, yeah, that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. And speaking of crypto, we can talk about that today. Um, obviously, got the merge coming up, so that will be worth talking about. We've also got the US inflation number, which for those that are lucky enough to listen, because I might release this today or Tuesday, uh, we'll be able to get a little bit of a preview. But we can talk about that and potentially the reaction that can come uh, and also how that links into the Fed, of course, next week. Uh, And then we can also talk about the delayed Bank of England rate decision. So we've got a few things there for, for us to cover. Yeah, it sounds good to me. I mean, inflation is is the talk of the markets, and it's likely to have an effect on on pretty much every asset class over the next week. I, I did a did a broadcast earlier, and I was talking about sort of oil and and Bitcoin and, and the Nasdaq, and pretty much just everything just came back to inflation. It just felt like the the whole conversation was well, if the inflation number is this, then this is what could happen. So yeah, it's going to pretty much stir up everything in the market over the next week or so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting release, one thirty UK time. Um, and I actually I did a tweet yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. And it was if you already knew that inflation was going to come in exactly in line with expectations, what direction do people think it would go? And I haven't actually seen the results. I'm just checking them now. Um, uh, 50% said higher, 35% lower and 14% where it started. And it's so interesting when it comes to data, like, you know, even if it's non-farm payrolls and you had the exact figures two hours before, I don't think you'd be able to trade it successfully. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's so tricky. Uh, and the psychology of the market, you've got to try and second guess what other people are thinking, what the majority are thinking. If something comes in and then obviously trading that and, you know, it's going to be one to, to watch for sure, but don't feel the need to jump in uh, people. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if, 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 investors and traders and, and the general public didn't know about inflation in 2022 they, they certainly do it's been a hot topic if for, not you've been under a rock eh? yeah literally 
Um, I mean, it's been a hot topic for, for so, so long um, and is obviously still massively important. You know, what are your, your thoughts on this latest release? I mean, the Fed are going to be keeping a close eye on it, but so will, will everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think probably the key thing to note here is that I think markets are already sort of gearing up for the anticipation that the, the number is going to be sort of obviously a, a decline once again. The expectation is, I believe, around about 8.1%, 8.1 between 82 um, And as we know, that the Fed has, has obviously been hiking rates aggressively as obviously that inflation number has continued to surge. We obviously had that July CPI reading, which is pretty encouraging. We had both core and headline inflation dropping with with lower energy prices since then we've had oil prices sort of come down again um which could signal another lower reading um and, and i think that's you know pretty obvious now at this stage as i said there at the start um but the key thing to that is it's likely to show that we've probably had peak inflation um <laughs> i don't want to say we definitely have that's why i said probably because i tell you uh, what if, if it comes in massively high it is gonna be carnage in the market oh, yeah it's just gonna rock everything it's gonna rock the market oh. just because i think the, just leading in we've obviously had this nice little rally over the last few days the smp 500 is on what it's 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 fifth day of gains um so we're moving in to the reading with a whole lot of positivity so and then the, the sentiment has completely flipped on its head risk assets are back on the cards again so it's just going to be one big punch if it comes in you know higher than than expected if it comes in maybe near that july number around say you know 8.5 8.6 then yeah it's it's going to be a big hit to markets and i think you know importantly as well we, we've sort of rallied um over the last sort of few days as well because we had that obviously that initial sort of bear market rally then we had that pullback again and then we sort of moved that leg higher and it sort of come on the back of um jerome powell's sort of jackson hole speech where you know sort of market expectations around the prospect of rate cuts you know sort of shifted um because we sort of saw it as maybe at the end of december then sort of powell sort of took a really hawkish tone and and then a lot of market sort of commentators sort of pushed that towards maybe late 2023 or sort of adjusted their um the prospects of uh, of rate cuts then we had sort of further hawkish comments come through from james bullard you know esther george they all want to see a 75 basis point move so there was a lot of um a lot, lot of hawkish tone which again the market sort of seemed to take sort of pretty well so i think from here the focus from the print is going to be on core inflation as i say because the, the headline number is is pretty much as i said earlier expected to drop um it's unlikely that we see a drop in core because going in it's, it's pretty much expected but if we do that's when we could then get a nice market rally that's when we do get a bit of relief and that's what sort of really is going to be the catalyst to move this market higher because so for those that aren't sure, core inflation is the change in the cost of goods and services, but it doesn't include uh, those from, from food and energy sectors, which are tend to be obviously the most volatile at the moment as well. So sort of going in, have a quick look at the expectations, what we're looking at on rate height expectations, just to give us a full live up-to-date number. So we're in 88% chance of a... 75 basis point in September but that's dramatically changed from where we were you know a week ago where it was 73% and then going back a month where it was you know actually only 45% and 50 basis points was looked more likely um, so going in a lower CPI print could bring these expectations to a 50 basis point hike might provide a bit of relief to markets 
But I think it's unlikely to change the Fed's path at this point. I think even if, as I say, we get that softer print, I don't think it means the Fed will sort of favour that softer option of the 50 basis points, which on the face of it actually probably appears to be the most logical course of action, probably seems to be the most obvious move, especially, you know, if we do see that slide from the 8.5 in July to the 8.1% as expected, and especially, as I said, if core comes down, you know, given that all they've said is that they're data dependent, right? So if core does come down, maybe that shifts the, um, the the focus a little bit more and we do move towards 50 basis points. But I think the problem that the Fed are going to face and with that scenario is that any sort of softness on inflation at this point and they're sort of changing rhetoric from the Fed, I think that then sorts of then unwind the tightening of financial conditions that we've seen since Jackson Hole when that market has moved higher again. I know Ben spoke a lot about it, but the Fed hate at the moment when this market rallies right yeah. so they don't want that to happen again you know when the they sort of came out and they were slightly dovish the market took that they ran with it and then they quickly changed their tone and they go to hawkish because they don't want to see this market rally um and we've seen that over the last sort of few days with this positivity but as we've said throughout everything that's come through in terms of these economic sort of data prints so far this year you've got to expect the unexpected going into it Hundred percent, and and actually, just talking of the Fed, there, I reckon the worst thing they would want is a bit counterintuitive, but I think they would hate to see a really low reading and the markets just rally, rally, and rally. Because of course, there's a blackout period now until that Fed meeting yeah. on Wednesday. They can't d- say something like they did at Jackson Hole, yeah. and next thing you know, you know, the S and P is trading way north of where it is now. Uh, and then suddenly that 88% chance of the 75 basis point hike is not 88% anymore. And, you know, they're going to be have their hands tied and, you know, they'll obviously maybe still do 75, but that then shocks the market as well. And it just turns into a little bit of chaos. I mean, look, traders want to see something wide of expectations here. Uh, investors do not. <laughs> so it's, no. it's a, it's a proper balance out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to, it. I'm going to, you know, these events for me, I don't trade them. I, in, in these periods, I perform badly trading, uh, but I'll be watching uh, to see how it all unfolds. Uh, exciting times. And as you said, expect the unexpected. So, yeah, I mean, look, that's pretty much the most important event of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. And eyes were really going to be on the Fed and their reaction next week, you know, at that central bank meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess central banks are just the talk of the town at the moment. We had obviously... The ECB last week, we had the RBA last week as well, uh, lifting rates, you know, the RBA sort of probably changing tax slightly from from the rest of the world, probably going to that sort of more dovish stance. ECB, again, said that they're focused on on data sort of dependencies coming through again. Um, but as you mentioned at the start, we, we sort of obviously got to discuss the Bank of England. They've obviously delayed their meeting. What are we looking at there? What can we expect, Sam? Yeah, so that, that was originally due this week. Um, you know, the Bank of England at the back end of last week, they tweeted uh, in light of the period of national mourning now being observed in the United Kingdom, the September 2022 meeting of the Monetary Policy Committee has been postponed for a period of one week. The committee's decision will be announced at midday on September the 22nd. So that is the day after the Fed um, next week. So that's going to be another thing. Obviously, we're going to have to keep a uh, an eye on it. I mean, this decision hasn't actually been met all that well. You know, you've got people, commentators, analysts, Piers Morgan as well, uh, <laughs> commenting that, you know, they should have 
uh, taken action with inflation raging higher. It's a bit disrespectful not to to act. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, does one week really make that much of a dis- difference? Probably not. Uh, I mean, for interest rates to take any effect, it takes a period of months anyway. Um, but yeah, it does seem a little bit silly to delay it. But the sentiment, I guess, is nice. Um, so I think we can sort of draw a line under that and, and move on. The, the, the decision has been made. It's not going to change things. And we are going to see the Bank of England raise rates anyway. You just mentioned there the ECB, Bank of Canada, RBA have all raised and the Fed looking like they're going to do 75. Um, you know, most analysts, however, at the moment, I guess you could almost call it a little bit of a coin toss, but most are expecting 50 basis point with a small percentage looking at 75 for what it's worth, I'd like to see 75, uh, but 50 will do if that is the case. Um, I think we're going to start to see a more aggressive uh, Bank of England following, you know, Truss's $150 billion bailout package, which is massive, you know, massive compared to even just a furlough during COVID. So it's good to see that it had to be done. However, the Bank of England are obviously going to have to step up their hawkish rhetoric in response to that. Um, I saw recently Deutsche Bank said that uh, the Bank of England, I said we, uh, Bank of England are going to go five to five, uh, back to back fifties, uh, uh, 50 basis point hikes, and then a further 25 in March, which would take rates to 4%, um, which is, you know, a big jump from where we were for the last sort of few years with historically low interest rates. I wonder um, if that will be enough for savers to think, you know what, I'm just going to leave my money in the bank rather than invest. I don't think so. And I spoke to Ben about that yesterday, and, and he's he's not of that that view either. But let's just say we get to 4% in, in March, I guess then we'll have to to see what's what. And let's be honest, a lot will change between now and March anyway. Uh, it will be interesting over the next week. You know, effectively, we've got eight days from, from us speaking now to see if the chances of a 75 basis point uh, hike increase. You know, we've seen a multi-decade low in the pound against the dollar 1985, albeit pretty much the same as that 2020 low. Uh, but we could, of course, see more movement either way this week and the dollars is going to move things too uh we had uk gdp on the monday we got uk retail sales i think is friday uh and then the day before the bank of england we've just seen what the fed do as well so there will be more reasons yeah quiet yeah i mean there's gonna be more reasons to back up whatever their decision is so they've really got no excuses they've got more preparation time to to make this um, but look, you know, as with most central bank meetings, you've got to be looking out for the press conference as well as the actual, uh, you know, report to see what they do, what their forward guidance is uh, as well. I mean, one thing that's been clear this year, and I, and I saw a really nice tweet about this as well yesterday, is that we're just we're just trading the dollar. <laughs> Everything is moving off the dollar at the moment. Uh, we've seen obviously last few days dollar weakness equities and crypto can can push higher when we see dollar strength you see the opposite of that so one way or another you're just you know trading a proxy of of the dollar um but look one thing i think we need to start talking about is when you know the fed tightening phase is fully priced in and we start moving to to lowering rates and that in theory you know you're going to see some some dollar weakness there and therefore in currency world there could be some good opportunities the issue is going to be which currencies you know europe and uk are set for a bad winter you know, sure, but you know how much of that bad news is priced in? Does that then lead to actually people thinking, you know, what the pound and euro good opportunities against the dollar or not? So when we get that dollar strength finishing, 
does that then lead to a bit of a rally higher? I think that's the question for FX traders to work out over the next sort of few weeks. Um, but look, it, it sets us up nicely. You know, we've got Fed on Wednesday, Bank of England Thursday. However, it's a little bit like the Champions League on your Tuesday, Wednesdays, uh, and then the Europa Cup on the Thursday. Absolutely. And the, the Fed definitely taking that Champions League crown, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and we had to get, we had to get a football reference in there, didn't we? We couldn't oh, be a, couldn't be a digesting investor without it. So it's 100%. good to get it in. I mean, with the, with no football on this weekend, yeah. I feel we had a little bit of withdrawal symptoms. Um, Absolutely. but yeah, we had to get it in, had to get it in. Um, final subject then, last by, by no means least is, is crypto. And we've got the, the ETH merge is, is finally here or, well, I guess for some people actually will be finally here when they listen. Um, so that is good news for, for the overall space. And as, as mentioned earlier, risk assets have performed well over the last sort of few days. So it seems everyone's slightly more positive than a week ago, right? Um, how are you seeing things in, in, in crypto world at the moment? Yeah, look, I think you've got to be positive and, and ultimately I think it just comes down to, to sentiment. Um, I do believe that traders are starting to think the worst is behind us, mm. which I think you can understand. We're getting less bad news. Again, coming back to that inflation number, it's going to be really important to see what we get there. But I think we're starting to see higher lows come into play, which is really important. You saw that from Bitcoin um, last week was, was pretty key for me because just sort of looking at the chart as we sort of do this, we sort of tested 19,000, but couldn't really break below it whereas again if you go back a month or two you're probably breaking below that and you're probably going to be testing the lows that you've already had so far um this year so that's sort of like a a higher low there for me that i think we're starting to see bitcoin volumes are starting to sort of come back to levels that we've not seen since july i think that's just sentiment in the sense that investors are starting to feel confident moving back into risk assets again um and just the whole sort of crypto landscape has got a bit more confidence and as you said this is with the merge it's 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 huge it's it's massive for the space it's one of the biggest sort of technological upgrades advancements that we've ever sort of seen um within pretty much the whole crypto space i think you could probably go out and say that there's probably some blockchain expert that might argue that but you know i think it is one of the most talked about events in crypto history we've never had this many people discuss sort of this type of event it's been delayed plenty of times and and it's had a really big run in on the anticipation of the event as well anybody that sort of really kept up to date with was what sort of ethereum has been doing it's had a huge bounce of its lows it's well outperformed bitcoin it's up about sort of 91 percent from its sort of cycle low this time around as well and has actually traded close to all-time highs against bitcoin as well interestingly so that was really key for me over the last month that obviously that dominance sort of slightly changed we had a lot of volume going into ethereum ethereum sort of dominated the volumes over the last sort of three four weeks that has sort of flipped now a little bit where bitcoin is sort of taking back over that dominance is sort of starting to come back through again and i feel that maybe a few people are starting to think that this is sort of a by the rumor sort of type event um coming through because this is going to have a long-term impact and maybe not a short-term impact but still um it, it's it's a it's a positive event and we'll get on to why it could be you know 
positive in the short term as well to sort of give both sides. But in short, the merge is essentially referring to Ethereum's transition to a new consensus mechanism. We're moving from proof of work um, where you know miners will verify the transactions and now we're moving to um, a blockchain which is proof of stake, which is obviously um, the, the, the blocks are verified by um, staked um, crypto assets on there. So essentially Bitcoin is, is proof of work and, and obviously Ethereum was and that's now transitioning um, to this sort of new blockchain. Uh, but the important thing is, is thousands of builders are, are, on, are on Ethereum. So those that aren't sure there's lots of different layers um, to Ethereum and ultimately there's billions of dollars and there's lots of things that are built within the Ethereum network. So it's imperative that this upgrade basically goes without a hitch and there's no disruption to sort of the network. Of course there can be, but this is going to be a really, really important test across the whole industry. Um, one of the sort of the biggest changes from sort of the proof of work to proof of system, uh, sorry, proof of stake is going to be its energy energy efficiency. So one of sort of Ethereum's sort of biggest critiques over time is that it's energy usage. Um, and this is going to be sort of changing that. Um, it's going to change by a wide margin. Um, and maybe those sort of builders, maybe those investors who have avoided Ethereum due to those sort of energy constraints over time um, might now be looking at it in a better light. I believe that it's going to change its energy efficiency by about 99%. Um, which there's no questions asked there. But to sort of take then the balance view of it, when moving to proof of stake, there's been a lot of blockchain experts that have argued over the sort of the security side of it. So Ethereum security will theoretically be more de will be more decentralized. Oh, well, sorry, but will be more centralized. Um, so making it more centralized means that it's sort of it's 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 easier. Um, I believe for bad actors to sort of gain control and, and corrupt the blockchain. Um, so basically the, the reason that is, is during sort of proof of work, it was renowned for its security, just like um, the um, how, how Bitcoin is built. It is ultimately is, it, it's basically unhackable Bitcoin um, mm. at this sense that the computing power to require to, to hack Bitcoin, it would cost you more than you would actually make from hacking the network, I believe is the stat I've seen in the past. Um, and that's why so many people have used Ethereum in the past over other blockchains such as Solana because Solana is is a quicker um, you know it's more efficient but actually it's it, it's been hacked a number of times um, Ethereum is just the king it's safe it does the job it does exactly what it needs to do and, and why would you change if, if it does that um, and, and Ethereum is as big as it gets um, so in the sense that again when I'm talking about the security the likelihood of a network attack by validators is likely to be rare um, and it's, it's very unlikely to happen, but it still poses that opportunity. You still don't want to have that question in there. Um, and you know, many have argued that the, the, the sort of proof of stake is nothing like proof of work and, and there, there can be, um, those sort of security deficiencies in there, as I say, unlikely to happen, but it's something to sort of take a balanced view on. But I think the main point to make going into this is, is no one really knows what's going to happen. You know, this has never happened before. We've never had anything like this really um, on this sort of scale in history. We've had sort of hard forks before. We've had sort of Bitcoin has, has, has forked and made Bitcoin cash before. We've had Ethereum that, that sort of forked to Ethereum Classic. So these type of events have happened, but nothing on this sort of scale before. If it's successful, I think it's going to bring some great long-term benefits to Ethereum. Um, again, it won't be fully sort of completed, 
um, for a number of years. You've got to sort of go to sort of 2023, 2024, check out the Ethereum website if you want to find out a bit more about the sort of the full project. But unsuccessful and, and we get some hiccups along the way, I think it's going to have, you know, a really big detrimental effect on, on the Ethereum price. This has been a project that's been delayed for a long time. It's finally coming to fruition. Um, and you know, if we do have a hiccup along the way, then you know th those doubters and, and those bears are are really going to sort of take over. So there's there's twofold there, but I, I can't imagine it's going to have much of a, a short term impact, other than detrimental if something goes wrong. But if successful, you might see that bit of a bit of a relief rally, if you like. Yeah, I, I guess if we're saying the Fed is like the Champions League and uh, the Bank of England are like the Europa, this ethereum merge going well it's like the world cup this is massive yeah, if it yeah. go well and you're it's right if it celebrating yeah yeah i mean if it doesn't then yeah the, the bears will be be licking their lips um so yeah pretty interesting week uh ahead and next week too actually just a just a note for the people on, on friday just to be aware it's it's what's called as triple witching which isn't as scary or as bad as quadruple witching but it is something for us to be aware of in sort of the indice equity world stock world uh, and there's also going to be uh the S&P S&P 500 quarterly rebalance so volumes likely to be at the highest they've been this year um now does that mean you stay away from it maybe as a trader you might want to uh, as an investor overall in the long term scheme of things it's not going to make too much of a difference but if you wanted to wait till after friday why not uh could be the way to, to look at it but yeah big big week u.s inflation no bank of england uh obviously ethereum merge and you've got other data highlights as well to, to keep an eye on but those would really be the main things uh josh you've got a busy week so i'm not going to keep you much longer um but we'll be back next week of course as well uh and who knows where the market will be yeah exactly that we're sort of going in we've sort of like we've like got blinkers on haven't we really going into this week you know us inflation is sort of really going to be that driver of of everything so if you can uh stick around to to watch that then I, i'd certainly recommend it but uh but yeah on to next week on to next week take care everyone have a good one you've been listening to digest and invest from etoro for more information visit etoro.com <laughs>